the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All of history points to one monumental truth that Jesus was no ordinary baby. Because that's what all of history does. It points to the fact that Jesus was God incarnate. No longer just a theophany. No longer just the words of God. No longer just the foreshadowing. No longer just the promises of God. It is God Himself. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. It is recorded in the book of John that Jesus once said, If he is lifted up, he will draw all people unto himself. Christ's death, resurrection, and ascension are all linked to this glorious exaltation, and it is a call made to the entire world. No class, social status, race, or gender is excluded from this declaration. That is why we lift up the name of Jesus on this program every day. Our teaching pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with today's message. God has always had a presence. Yes, I know next week we're going to look at Emmanuel when God came to the earth in the form of a baby. But going all the way back to Genesis, God has always had a presence here on this earth. I have a word there in your outline called theophany. Everyone say theophany. The word theophany is the word that we use to describe all the times that God revealed himself. And I have three little subpoints. The first one is all over the Old Testament. The first you'd have to say is in the Garden of Eden in, in uh, Genesis 1, 2, and 3, the story of creation where there's no description, but we know God was there because Adam and Eve had fellowship with God. And then you have over in Genesis chapter 15, a story of Abraham where God actually appears in the form of a flaming torch. In Jacob, in Genesis 32, God shows up as a wrestler. God's a wrestler. How do you know that? Because the Bible says that Jacob wrestled with God all night. He wrestled all night long with, with something that was a form of God, a theophany of God. Moses, God appeared to Moses in the form of a what? A theophany of what? The burning bush was a theophany. It was a, the presence of God. Another one is for the nation of Israel. Another theophany is the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night over in Exodus chapter 13. By day the Lord went ahead of them in. Everybody say the word in. The Lord was actually in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and by night he was in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or by night. And the next verse says, verse 22, neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front 
of those people. Stay with me. For 40 years, the children of Israel, as they wandered around, there was never a single moment where they could not look up and see either the pillar of cloud by day or that pillar of fire by night. God has always had a presence in this earth. In some ways, creation itself is a theophany because if you look at creation, you can see God. Have you ever looked up and seen all those stars and just marveled at at the truth and and the, the presence of God? The Bible says these words in Psalm chapter 19, verse 1, that the heavens declare the glory of God, that the skies proclaim the work of whose hands? His hands. Verse 2, day after day after day, they, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. And the Bible says there is no speech, there is no language, there is no nation where their voice is not heard. Think about that. There are 7 billion people on this planet right now. And day after day and night after night, they have a reminder of the power and the presence and the knowledge of God. The history, I think, of all the theophanies in the Old Testament. Next, I want you to write this down. This little phrase is called the glory of the Lord. Just write it down. It's in the Bible hundreds of times. Usually it's like in a temple or the tabernacle or it had something to do with the Ark of the Covenant. Sometimes it was when people were worshiping or people were praying. All of a sudden, uh, during these times throughout the Bible, it it just says, and the glory of the Lord appeared. And sometimes it, it included a bright light where you couldn't really see what it was. We really don't even know how to explain it, except it just, it just says that the glory of the Lord appeared hundreds of times in the Old Testament. And all I want you to know, as you look back over the Old Testament, not only do you have all these theophanies, but you have this thing called the glory of the Lord. Number three, write this down. You have the words, the very words of the, what's called the major and the minor prophets. You have Isaiah, you have Lamentations, you have Jeremiah, you have Ezekiel, and you have Daniel, and then I have a list of all those, what's called the minor prophets. The only difference between major and minor prophets, and those are all books in the Bible, is the size of the book. They're all equally important. And all these prophets, stay with me, these major and minor prophets, God had a prophet that would appear on the scene to the people of Israel, and they would say these words, Thus saith the Lord. Or hear the word of the Lord. And it's not just a written word. You can almost, as the prophet spoke, you could almost hear the voice. It was the voice of God. It was indeed the word of God. So when you get to Matthew chapter 1, and Emmanuel finally shows up, my first point today is I want you to remember that God has always had a presence. He's had a theophany a glory, a prophet, a word, a voice, creation itself, his presence. God has always had a presence here. That's point number one. Now point number two, write this down. God has always provided what we call a foreshadow. And the apostle Paul, I have it on the screen, Colossians 2. He's talking about all that stuff back there in the Old Testament. He says all those things back there in the Old Testament, they are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in.
in who? In Christ. So in the Old Testament, they had met, you had metaphors, shadows, symbols, types, pictures that all point. They point to that moment that one day Emmanuel will actually show up. Now I've given you, again, there are many in the Bible. I've given you a few. The Number one, write this down. What's called a brazen serpent. It's something that took place in the Old Testament, but it's a foreshadowing of Christ. A specific thing, though, a brazen serpent. This is in Numbers chapter 21. Now, how many of you have ever heard the greatest verse in the Bible, John 3.16? How many of you have ever heard John 3.16? Have you ever read John 3, verse 14, two verses before that verse? Here's what it says. It's in your Bible. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, verse 15, that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The greatest verse in the Bible is tied directly back to that foreshadowing, the brazen serpent back there in Numbers chapter 21. Number two, quickly, I want to talk about is the story of Isaac. Abraham had a son. And God had told Abraham, you got to go sacrifice your son Isaac. And so you got the dad and the boy, Isaac, walking up a mountain. They're walking up a mountain. They're carrying wood. And God was testing Abraham to see if he was a man of faith. And the little boy goes, Daddy! Where's the lamb? We, for, we forgot the lamb, Dad. We got the wood. And the Bible says that Abraham said, God himself, Isaac, will provide a lamb. And that old man of faith, they walk up and on a hill, a mountain called Mount Moriah, which we know years later, centuries later, that Jesus Christ himself is crucified on top of Mount Moriah. He takes his son and he ties him up and he puts him on the altar and he takes the knife back. He's obeying God and God says, wait a minute, Abraham, I was just testing you. And the Bible says in verse 13, I'll put it on the screen, that Abraham, he looked up, and there in the thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. And he went over and he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. The entire story of Isaac is a metaphor that one day God would sacrifice his one and only son for you and for me. And then we have Joseph, number three. Joseph is symbolic of Jesus. You have then number four, the high priest. All that stuff in the Old Testament and the high priest, we know that's all symbolized according to the book of Hebrews that Jesus becomes our great high priest. You know, Exodus chapter 12 is that story where Israel had been in bondage for 400 years and Pharaoh would not let God's people go. And it says that you have to take a lamb, kill the lamb, and take the blood and put it on tops and the sides of the doors. This is down in Egypt. And God said during the night, I'm going to send what's called a death angel, and he's going to go down every street in Egypt, and he's going to look at everybody's doors. And if you've got blood from that lamb on the tops and the sides, 
of the door, God says the death angel is going to pass over that house. And Jews today still celebrate the Passover that night where those Jews who had enough faith to take a lamb and kill the lamb and put the blood on the tops of the sides of the door, they had enough faith to do that. The night that the death angel passed over, Jews still today celebrate the Passover because it was, it was through those events that finally Pharaoh said, enough, God's people can go, and God's people were released to begin that journey into the promised land. And all of that is symbolic of those of us who are here today, centuries later when Jesus Christ himself will go to a cross and he will die and his shed blood, Jesus becomes the Lamb of God. His shed blood becomes an atonement for our sins. And those of you here today who your house is under the blood of Jesus Christ, today you are saved because you're underneath that blood. It's all a symbolic. Number eight is the veil. All the way back there in the Old Testament, you had this big curtain. And it was what separated people from the Holy of Holies. No one could go into the Holy of Holies because it was the presence of God. The only one who could go in there was the high priest, and he could only go in there once a year. But jump forward to the book of Matthew, chapter 27. Jesus is hanging on a cross. He's just about getting ready to die. He's only got a few more breaths to breathe. And the Bible says in Matthew, chapter 27, verse 50, that when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit, which means he died. And the very next verse, verse 51, says, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom, which signifies through the death of Jesus Christ, you and I now have access to the presence of God. Oh, ladies and gentlemen. The third thing, write this down. Not only do you have all these theophanies and these foreshadowing things that you kind of, you vaguely see it, but that you then have these specific promises or what we call Bible prophecies that point that one day the Messiah will come. These are specific things that the Old Testament said would happen. And guess what? When Emmanuel comes in Matthew chapter 1, he fulfills each and every one of them. Look at the first four. The fact that he would be born of a virgin, the tribe of Judah from David's line, born in what city? The city of Bethlehem. And you can read the scriptures. Guess what city Jesus was born in? He was born in the city of Bethlehem. We'll just look at the next four briefly. It says that it was prophesied that he would teach in parables, that he would enter Jerusalem on a donkey, that he would be betrayed by a friend for 30 pieces of silver. And that's exactly what took place. In each and every instance, Jesus fulfills each and every one of them. And I will tell you something interesting if you look at your list. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. And you can just look at your list. Did you know that most of the prophecies about Jesus were concerning about how he was going to die? And you know what the one thing his disciples, the guys that ran around with him for 12 years, his posse, do you know what the one thing they could never figure out? They could never figure out why he had to die. 
And had they really studied biblical prophecy, they would have known that, hey, it says when it talks about the Messiah, there's a lot of stuff in there that talks about that he is going to die. So I don't know why they could never figure that out. But when you look at all the theophanies and you look at all the foreshadowing and you look at all these biblical prophecies, there is only one conclusion that Jesus is the Messiah. All of history points to one monumental truth that Jesus was no ordinary baby. Because that's what all of history does. It points to the fact that Jesus was God incarnate. No longer just a theophany. No longer just glory. No longer just the words of God. No longer just the foreshadowing. No longer just the promises of God. It is God Himself. I want you to take your Bibles quickly and let's go look at that verse as we close it. We'll look at Isaiah chapter 7. I want to go back and look at that. Do you know what Isaiah, the name Isaiah means? What it means. His name means something. His name means the salvation of the Lord. He was the prince of prophets. His vocabulary was vast. He was so poetic, it earned him the title, the Shakespeare of the Bible. For 55 or 60 years, he stood before the nation of Israel as God's spokesman. And there's one thing you need to know about Isaiah. He was not politically correct. He was not afraid to stand before the nation and to stand before the king and say these words, this nation needs to repent. It's what's missing in our country today. We have too many preachers that are politically correct. They're afraid to speak the truth because if they speak the truth, it's going to offend half the church members and they're not going to come back to church and then the preacher's not going to get paid. And so the preacher caves. Tradition says that Isaiah died when the king, King Manasseh, murdered him, stuffed him into a trunk of a tree, sawed in two, because he was a preacher that was willing to stand and call the nation to repent. In the midst of him seeing all the sin and the wickedness, he says, I got some, some good news. I, I know that things look bleak in our country today. But he says in Isaiah 7, verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign that the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And what he's saying to the sin, to the people of the world, the people in, in Israel's history, He's saying God himself is going to come and fix all this. Go over to chapter 9 real quick. Chapter 9, verse 6. 
He says, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And then he says, and he will be called wonderful what? Because there's some things that you go through in this life that the only person who can truly minister to your heart is the one who is the wonderful counselor. The one who is a mighty God. The one who Isaiah calls the Prince of Peace. Ladies and gentlemen, as you go back over your Bibles, all the way back to the book of Genesis, Jesus is portrayed as the creator of the universe. In Exodus, he's portrayed as the Passover lamb. In the book of Leviticus, Jesus is pictured as our great high priest. In the book of Numbers, Jesus is pictured as the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In the book of Deuteronomy, Jesus is pictured as the city of refuge. In Joshua, Jesus is seen as the captain of our salvation. In Judges, he's pictured as the judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, Jesus is pictured as our kinsman redeemer. In Samuel, Jesus is pictured as the trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, Jesus is pictured as our reigning king. In Ezra, he's pictured as our faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's pictured as the rebuilder of our faith. In Esther, he's pictured as Mordecai. In Job, he's pictured as a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. In Psalms, he's pictured as the shepherd. In Proverbs, he's pictured as wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he's pictured as the truth of all truth. In the Song of Solomon, he's pictured as the lover and the bridegroom. In Isaiah, Jesus is pictured as the Prince of Peace. In Jeremiah and Lamentations, Jesus is pictured as the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he's pictured as the wheel inside the middle of the wheel. In Daniel, he's the fourth man inside the fiery furnace. In Hosea, he's the faithful and forgiving husband. In Joel, he's the one that is baptized with the Holy Spirit. In Amos, he's the one who burdens and carries our burdens. In Obadiah, he's the one who's mighty to save. In Jonah, he's the one that can only bring revival. In Micah, he's a messenger. And in Nahum, he's an adventurer. In Habakkuk, he's an evangelist. In Zephaniah, he's a restorer. In Haggai, he's a fountain. In Zechariah, he's the pure son of God. And in Malachi, he's the son of righteousness. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. Wouldn't it be great if there were accessible answers to our spiritual problems? Just like there's a smartphone app for calculating a tip or getting directions to a local store. Most of us have heard the phrase, there's an app for that, popularized by the creators of the iPhone. 
Well, God has an app for the common problems faced by Christians everywhere. Are you stressed out? God has an app for that. Problem with crude language or gossip? Struggling with prejudice? Brokenhearted? Anxious? Or depressed? God has an app for that too. Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, is available now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. This helpful resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also get God Has an App for That on our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. Come and explore the book of James and discover God's user-friendly solutions for some of the biggest challenges we all face daily. Get your copy of Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, today. Hello, friends. My name is Dusty Frizzell, and I want to invite you to our new Thursday night service at Shepherd Church. That's right. We're adding a fourth service starting May 5th. Worship service starts at 7 p.m., and it's for all ages, but we're going to have food trucks before the service. In the first few weeks, the food is going to be free. We'll be following the same sermon series as the weekends, and you'll hear from myself, from some of my friends, and even from Pastor Dudley. So if you'll be gone on a weekend, or you just want to open up some seats for others on the weekends, join us on Thursdays starting May 5th at 7 p.m. I hope to see you there. All information on dates, service times, and locations can be found on our website, shepherdchurch.com. I'm Kyle Welch. We invite you to join us every weekday at this time when we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.